welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. Today's guest, as you have probably gathered from the title of the episode, is none other than my amazing father, Byron Younger. This is most definitely his first time on a podcast or any kind of interview at all for that matter. Um, By the way, if you guys hear that noise in the background, that's my dishwasher. I stopped it so it wouldn't be loud during the recording, but now it's making beeping noises. So that's fun. Um, Anyways, my dad, Byron, many of you know him from my Instagram and my Instagram stories and basically me talking about him on my blog and my book and everything I've done for the last five and a half years of this balanced blonde career. And it's just so special to have had him agree to coming on the podcast. He's a very under the radar kind of guy. I mean, in real life, he's hilarious. He has so many friends. He's the father of four, grandfather of four, an amazing husband to my mom, Jane, uh, who many of you know from coming on this podcast several times herself. He's also a very inspiring entrepreneur. You'll hear his story, how he started working straight out of high school to provide for his family because my dad got married right out of high school and had my oldest sister, Lisa. So he was a father when he was 20. That means if I was in his position, I would have an eight-year-old now and also a six-year-old. That was my dad's life. He went from living at home with his parents to being married with a child. And it's just a really fascinating way to go about life. And he didn't go to college. He went to one semester of junior college and flunked out, as you'll hear about. And he's done so well for himself. And I think he's such an inspiration to people all over the world. And I'm really, really happy to share his story. And also he is a reflector just like me when it comes to human design. So we talk about spirituality and he's notorious for making fun of me in real life because he doesn't share the same philosophical and spiritual beliefs as I do. Um, He was just raised in a different generation and that type of stuff was not explored at all. But I will give him credit. He's very open to my ways and my psychic ways, my blogging ways, all of these things. So he's hilarious and amazing. And I also have to say it was just so special to have him on the podcast as my guest because these are conversations we don't really have with our parents. Um, I have never just sat down and asked him question after question after question about his life. And as you guys will hear in this conversation, at many points, it was very emotional. And we've been through a lot in our family in the last few years alone, which you guys will gather. And that's like a whole thing in itself. I feel like I could write a dissertation on my idyllic childhood. I really swear I had like the most perfect childhood of all time. And I feel so lucky and so grateful and so blessed for that. I know not everyone can can say that. 
but the difficult things in my life have definitely presented themselves and they just came at a later time. And it's been a really, really, really crazy few years. So I feel really lucky to be in a position now where my parents live part-time at least in the same building as me and Jonathan. And I have them down here and I get to be with them and we are in a really good place and we know what's important to us. And family is such a huge part of that. So we talk about all that and more. And I'm just so, 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 so grateful to have had him on. Also, since this is kind of one of my final episodes before I take a little break, my first ever break from the show, from podcasting for a little while, just to focus on my health and focus on some other things. Um, I'm so glad that I got to have him on because like, This is what having a podcast is all about, is having people on who you genuinely want to learn more about. And I genuinely wanted to learn more about my dad and do so in a way that you guys could also hear and learn from and get to know me way better because there's no one who knows me better than my parents. So... I think you will enjoy this episode. I'm really, really, really happy to have had him here. And before we get into the conversation with him, I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is the mushroom coffee brand that I'm totally obsessed with. You guys will see me posting about it all the time on Instagram and everywhere else because it's my addiction. It's the only thing that has helped me get off of coffee. Although I really go in and out of the whole drinking coffee life. And lately I've been enjoying some cold brew in the morning. And then after the morning time, I like to around like noon have a cup of chaga or reishi mushroom. So let me break it down for you. Chaga and reishi are two adaptogenic mushrooms. Adaptogenic mushrooms are the type of mushrooms that are used in Four Sigmatic products, mushroom coffee. Adaptogens are super herbs that work to bring our body back to homeostasis, back to balance. So basically they work differently in every single person, Um, different things like chaga, lion's mane, ashwagandha, et cetera, will work differently in me than they will in your body. So like right now, since I'm so sick, what I really need an extra boost of all the time is energy. So when I put adaptogens and super herbs into my body, energy is what I get. So chaga gives me energy. Lion's mane gives me energy. Reishi gives me mental focus. It also helps me sleep at night. And basically with adaptogens, Usually I tell people just try everything and then pick and choose and see what you gravitate toward the most. So when it comes to Four Sigmatic, first of all, you should know that you should you can use the code BLONDE to get 15% off any Four Sigmatic products, or you can just go straight to foursigmatic.com slash blonde to shop all my favorites. And then you don't have to enter a code or anything. You just are already there on my link foursigmatic.com slash blonde. But also I'll tell you some of my favorite products right now are the 
mushroom coffee mix that has cordyceps and chaga in it. I like to just basically blend it up with hot water and a little bit of almond milk or coconut milk and then lots of stevia. And if I'm feeling like something extra sweet, then I'll also put a fresh date in there or I've even blended like a Four Sigmatic smoothie with banana, almond milk, almond butter, and Four, four Sigmatic mushroom coffee. So you can really go crazy and try everything. I also love the mushroom hot cacao. It's like a hot chocolate. And that's something I basically have every night. It's part of my wind down routine. I put CBD in it. It's amazing. Um, And then they also have matcha if you're a matcha person and they have all sorts of different bundles you can buy. They have little like Keurig cups. I believe they're called K cups. My parents have a Keurig machine upstairs. So I use the K-Cups and that just makes life real easy. So head to forsigmatic.com slash blonde to shop all of the best, most amazing and delicious mushroom coffees. And tell me what you think. Tag me in your Instagrams. Enjoy. And without further ado, we'll head into this episode with Byron, my amazing father. Okay, Daddy, you're finally here on the podcast. How does it feel? Oh, it feels good to be hanging with the balanced blonde, the soul on fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The Soul on Fire podcast tribe is very excited to hear from you. They know you've been very under the radar for your whole life. You are someone who doesn't use a computer. You don't use a cell phone. You definitely don't have social media. You've never had an email address. So coming on the podcast is kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's a little strange for, you know, someone I consider myself a dinosaur that that lives in the past, you know, (laughs) when it comes to technology. Yes. Well, you're lucky that you have... Not only a daughter who's a blogger, but a wife who is a fashion blogger. And we keep you up to date on all these things. Yes, you do. You keep me moving forward in the 21st century. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) So I'm so happy you're here. You're so, so special to me. And you're probably the only person who I'm extremely close to who I haven't had on the podcast. So this is a special day. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Yay. I'm glad to be special. You are special. Um, So why don't you tell everybody listening just a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you before we start asking you some questions? Well, I am um, semi-retired. I was in the building business for 55 years selling building materials to developers and contractors. I've done some development work. I've done some contracting work. And now I am kind of semi-retired and I remodel older homes uh, in East Sacramento and um, resell them. So it gives me Something to do, you just can't stop 
uh, doing things because at that point you begin to die. So <laughs> you got to keep moving. Yes. So that's your professional life. What about your personal life? My personal life was, you know, involved with, uh, you know, watching over you and taking care of your mother and, you know, working out every day, doing a little work, going by the projects, picking out items, looking at new places to buy and just kind of keeping up on what's happening in our area. Yeah. Keeping up with the youngers. Yeah. <laughs> and also being a grandfather, you're going to a softball game tonight for Olivia, your third grandchild. So that's part of your personal life too. Yes, it is. Yeah. I have four grandchildren. You know, one is a senior in college in an engineering program. I have a... Uh, sophomore in high school, Bella, and Olivia is, um, I don't know, what grade is she in? You know, the, <laughs> oh, God, what, I think she's in fourth, Fourth grade, probably. She is a softball player. And then there's Keely, who is six years old, and she's in first grade. Little Kiki. Yeah. And we got the most hilarious pictures of the young ones with their Halloween costumes, Kaylee being, what was she? Like a she was a um, dead person? A, no, she was a vampire. Oh, yeah. yeah. She was a vampire. And Olivia was a skeleton no, of she some was sort. The grim, she was the grim reaper. She had such good makeup for that. Yeah. It looked so realistic. Yeah. She was scary looking, but it was authentic. Yeah. She did a good job. Or Bella did a good yeah, job. with her makeup. With her makeup. So cute. So you have an interesting life because you are 72 years old and... We don't like to talk about that. <laughs> but you look so young and anybody who follows me on Instagram or my blog who has seen pictures of my dad will know my dad doesn't look a day over 45. No, it's like kind of insane. You're, you're too kind. Okay, 50. <laughs> he looks young. You're going to raise that number. Let's put it that way. He <laughs> looks ridiculously young and so does my mom. So I'm really lucky that those are my genetics and crossing my fingers that they pass on to me. Um, but the reason why I say that you have such an interesting life is because you started having children so young. So... As an adult, you never didn't have children. You basically went from high school to being a dad, working full time, and eventually purchasing Western Building, which became your business. So you didn't have that typical graduate high school, party, do, I don't know, whatever college people do. You didn't have any of that. You were caring for Lisa, your oldest daughter. And then soon you had two kids, then you had three, and then eventually you had me. Yeah. So what was that like to get married so young and start being a dad at what age? 20? 20. Yeah. I got married at 19, which I would never recommend for anybody. I mean... You know, back in my day, you saw a lot of, you know, people that went together in high school, you know, they would go on to college, they would get married and, you know, so 
marrying at an earlier age than you see today was common back then, but uh, not at 19. And my first wife was 17. So it was like, you know, to, in today's world, it'd be like children getting married that know nothing about anything and, you know, moving. So you didn't get to experience who you were. Uh, you immediately had to, you know, make things work. And so it, um, it was an opportunity, you know, I mean, it could have ended badly, you know, uh, could have, you know, a lot of things could happen, but, you know, I was focused enough to make it work for a while. <laughs> yeah. You were married for 17 years, 18, 18 years to your first wife. And basically you guys got married because she was pregnant. Correct. And Lisa was born. What was it like having a daughter when you were only 20? Oh, it was, it was scary. You know, I mean, you know, you didn't, you didn't know anything. And fortunately, you know, my mother helped a lot, you know, she was there, both of my parents. And so it was, you know, they watched over us, made sure we had groceries, made sure that, you know, we were going in the right direction with, you know, our first child. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a learning process, but, you, you know, when you're forced to learn quickly, you learn, you know, what you have to do. But at the time, it's like, you know, I mean, you don't even know how to take care of yourself properly. And here you have a child that you have to take care of. So it's a, it's definitely a learning process and not recommended for people less than 30. Yeah, I know. So my rule, everybody listening, my dad had a rule for all of his kids, no getting married until you're 30 years old. And when I was little, that sounded so old to me, 30. How will I ever wait until I'm 30? And I'm going to be 29 at our wedding next year, which is a year from today. On the date that we're recording this, November 2nd, um, were any of your kids 30? Uh, Lisa was 30. Melissa was 30. Christian was, I believe, 28. And you're 29. Yeah. And Christian's 28-year-old marriage didn't work out, although right. we love Sue Jean for life. I hope she's listening. Christian's first wife. She'll always be a part of our family. Yes, she will. So special. Um, so then you were this young parent. You were married to your first wife, Joanne, and you were working. So how did you even get your first job? I'm just curious because you were, you didn't go to college. So for everyone listening, I think you went to one semester of Junior college. Junior college, yes. You dropped out. <clears throat> you had to drop out because you had to work. You well, had a child. I didn't have to drop out, but you know, I was never a good student. I had to go to night school in order to graduate from high school. And then, you know, you felt like, oh, I gotta go to college. Everybody's going to college. So I tried junior college. I had to go in on <clears throat> probation because of my grades and then flunked out in the first semester. Or so which was okay for me because I was never a student. I didn't like school for whatever reason. I would rather be working. So, Well, we later learned what people didn't really know back then 
is that you were most likely dyslexic. Correct. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have labels back then, right. you know, so you didn't know, you know, why you couldn't read or why you couldn't concentrate or why you couldn't do certain things. You know, they didn't put labels on them, you know, just considered, you know, slow or stupid, you know, right. kind of situation, which is different today. Well, we're lucky now that people who are dyslexic get such great treatment in schools for the most part. People are aware of what that is. It's really common. But back then, there was no such name for that. Um, So you, I think it was a blessing for you that school wasn't, you didn't continue on in college or anything because you fell into a job that really worked for you. So how did you get that job? I got that job, my best friend in um, high school, his father used to work for Western Building Specialties. And he worked there for 10 years and he he quit and took his pension money at that time and started his own business called Inla Materials. And I went to work for him and I worked at Inla Materials for um, three years. And then when Jack Swagger used to work at Western Building Specialties and he left, and became partners with Burl, Jack recommended me to Western Building Specialties and they hired me to replace him at that time. And that's how I went to work for Western. And then how many years did you work there before you bought it? I went to work for Western in 1968 and I Bought Western in 1976 through a ESOP that we formed to take out Blakemore, who was the owner at that time. And so it allowed him to stay on for five years and he cut his work week down to three days a week and so that he could keep a a pulse and a finger on me to make sure I didn't run the business in the ground and he was never going to get paid. So uh-huh. that's how it all kind of, you know, came about. So how old were you when you bought it from him? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. I don't know. 1976. Oh, so you uh, were 30. 30 years old. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's pretty amazing. And then you owned Western Building for many, many, many years after that until you sold it just like three or five f- years ago, five years, five ago. years ago this month. Yeah. That was a fast five years. Yeah. So my whole life, my dad had Western building and he had owned it in my eyes for what felt like forever. And you literally had well, it was forever for you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so 1976 and then five years ago, I don't know how, how many years that is, but that's, Many, like 40, 50. 50 some years, yeah. Holy, that's in a long business, time. You know, in the business, yeah. Right. Um, and then for everybody listening, the people who my dad's talking about, Jack and Burl, those are still your friends today. Yeah, so, they were my mentors, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I was very fortunate um, to have them to, you know, guide me along, get me involved in... Uh, real estate investments, selling me my first duplex that Jack Swigert did. And, you know, they all helped 
helped considerably. And without them, I wouldn't be what I am today. Right. So what would be your advice to young, young entrepreneurs starting out? What would be your one tip? The tip is you have to be patient and you have to be willing to put in the effort and the time to succeed, you know, which is uh, so many young people, you know, live in the moment and want, you know, instant gratification and uh, that doesn't work. Uh, And so you have to, you have to pay the dues, put in the time, work hard and, and be driven in that direction. That's amazing advice. Okay, just a brief interruption from this episode with my dad, which I hope you guys are loving. He's so amazing. To tell you about our second sponsor for today's episode, Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a very special to me online marketplace where you can shop for all sorts of non-GMO goods, foods, grocery items, home products, etc., beauty products, all of that good stuff. And you can shop them at a really, really, really affordable rate. Um, the reason why the rate is so affordable is because Thrive Market goes straight to each brand that they have in their marketplace. There's no middleman. There's no one to jack up the prices. It's just fair and balanced and premium quality and everything that they have on their entire site is like I said, non-GMO, you can trust it. And on my specific shop page, thrivemarket.com slash blonde, you will get a fabulous 25% off deal plus a free 30-day trial and free shipping off of your first order. And you'll see a bunch of my different favorites on Thrive. So basically right now in my life, I'm solely shopping on Thrive. I'm kind of like a grocery store junkie and I love going to the grocery store. But right now I am home all the time. Many of you know, I'm really sick with Lyme disease and I like to do most of my shopping online. So not only am I saving a lot of money, but life is just easier when you're shopping online. And I trust all of the different brands on Thrive because they do a very selective process and everything is trustworthy and like I said, really affordable. So some of my favorites that you'll find on the Balanced Blonde page, which by the way, when you go to thrivemarket.com slash blonde, you have to click through first. Like I've got, I've gotten this question from people. You have to click through, I forget what it says, but some kind of like login. And then you'll see the Balanced Blonde favorites. You'll see a little picture of me that Tamara took, one of my faves. And then you'll see all my favorite products. So on that product page, you'll of course see Four Sigmatic. So I talked about them in the intro and Thrive Market carries all their products. So you'll see my favorite Chaga Mushroom Elixir. You'll see my Ayurvedic Tongue Scraper, which I, and maybe I'm just lazy, but I like to order a new tongue scraper like once every few months just to make sure it's super clean. It's only $6 and 99 cents. So I consider it an Ayurvedic investment in my health. I also have castor oil on there, my favorites, which I use for massaging my abdomen, especially after my fibroid surgery. They have the brand Sun Plotion, 
sun potion chlorella and all sorts of other amazing sun potion products. They have a Thrive Market probiotic, which is one of my faves. They have Siete Foods tortilla chips. I get the salt-free ones, of course, because my SOS-free life. Um, All the different superfoods that I love, like cacao powder, moringa, chlorella, etc. I get those all on Thrive. Um, But list goes on, guys. There's a ton. So basically, whether it's beauty products you're looking for, home products, groceries, you'll find them on Thrive. Go to thrivemarket.com slash blonde for that special deal. And let's head back into the episode. I think a lot of us in this generation, we do want things to happen immediately and people look for shortcuts and there's no such thing as you've taught me patience and hard work and putting in the time. Yeah. There are no shortcuts, you know. <laughs> there are no shortcuts. That's we've so all true. tried to find them, but I know, you know, they're um, not there. <laughs> they're not there. That's so true. So then fast forward a little bit. You were married to Joanne, your first wife. You had three kids. You bought Western Building. Then you ended up getting divorced from Joanne, getting separated. And then tell us about how you met mommy who people now know as dirty martinis and skinny jeans she's been on the podcast two or three times and yeah if none of that had ever happened your first divorce etc you wouldn't well i wouldn't be here so tell us about (laughs) that story my first wife had a partner in that clothing store and she was a customer of your mother's at flirt at the time And so when we would go to market, I would see your mother, you know, walking around and, uh, you know, noticed her and knew that she was in the business. And the business was just, you know, she was on Howe. We were on Howe at University Village, and she was up uh, across from um, Powell's project where she lived. So after we got separated... I um, asked my ex-wife's partner if she would introduce us. And so we met on a, like, it was a blind date, basically. And you walked in, I always hear the story, wearing like the pastel vest or something and like your mustache and... Yeah, well, I was there with, um, you know the partner and her husband, and we were sitting there at Paragary's downtown. And, you know, then your, your mother came along, you know, dressed in her, you know, beige leather outfit, you know, <laughs> with these boots and long hair, look like a movie star, you know, totally. and I'm, I'm sitting there in my paisley sweater with my paisley <laughs> socks and, you know, paisley sport coat, you know, looking yeah. like an idiot, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. And you guys were just telling me yesterday that your first few months of dating were kind of awkward because you had literally never dated since high school and you had three kids. Yes. I mean, that was, I mean, it was very difficult for me to, you know, get to move from being married 18 years, you know, since you were a kid. I went from living with my parents to, you know, 
being a parent. And so it was, yeah, it was something I hadn't experienced. So it was, we had a very, it was a slow process, you know, at least six months. Right. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, like baby steps for me. Yeah. And then, well, it was slow in the beginning, but then it wasn't because once, once you guys started really being serious with each other, you went to Hawaii together and decided that you're going to get married. Yeah. We were in Hawaii um, and we were on the, you know, we were there. I think we flew in and met Randy and Janet, you know, picked us up and we were there for a couple of weeks and, um, you know, we're having a good time. We're sitting on the beach and just discussing, you know, things in the future and what we wanted to do. And that's when we decided that uh, we should get married. So I thought it was so funny when I learned that you didn't really propose to her. No, no, it was just, we were, you know, like an open discussion of, well, where are we going? What are we going to do? And, you know, just going from there. So when you talked about that, did you say, yes, I want more kids in the future? Or what was that whole conversation like? No, I mean, well, I had three. And, you know, of course, your mother had never been married, never had any children. And so it was something I think she always indicated she wanted a daughter. And of course, I thought, you know, well, geez, I got two daughters and a son. I mean, <laughs> won't that be good enough? You know, I mean, and so, you know, kind of naively thinking, oh, yeah, I can probably get by this, you know. <laughs> but that didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> Thank God. Huh? I know. So then how did she convince you to have a kid? Well, I mean, there was really no convincing. I mean, I knew she she wanted this, uh, but, you know, what, what scared me is that she... She says, you know, I, I want a girl, I want, you know, so I'm thinking, well, God, what if it's a boy? You know, right. Are you going to be happy or what's going to happen here? You know, right. but yeah, so it was a very exciting day when we um, went for the testing and um, she found out that uh, you were a girl, you know. Oh, she's so lucky. <laughs> yeah, she was very, we, we were both lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I feel out. like. Sometimes if you want something enough, I think you can manifest it into life. So yeah. it sounds like that's what you guys did. Yeah. And then I was born. Now you have four kids. Yeah, four. But, you know, when you were born, just Christian was at home. You know, Missy yeah. already was in Southern California and Lisa was... Uh, Oh, in San Francisco, you know, with her salon that she had. And so it was just, yeah, Christian was, geez, I can't even remember. He was 14. 14 when you were born? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so 14. So he was in high school at Jesuit. And so, yeah, it was like close to, he was going to be moving on and you were coming in. And so. Coming into the world. I told myself, I guess, you know, geez. You're literally. I started at 20. Oh, yeah. You know, here I am, 72. And <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, that's the crazy thing. You still you... have children to worry about. But of course, you always worry about them no matter what. So right. they're always children. But you literally had kids in your house from the age of 20 to the age of, uh, so 44. 
1960-ish when I moved out or no, no 65. Yeah, 65, yeah. Oh my God. So that's 45 years of kids in the house. Yeah. Well, and then you had grandkids by then. So then the grandkids are always in the house. Yeah. So that's part of what you were here on this earth to do. Well, my mother always told me kids keep you young and she they was do. right. Yeah. I think it's true. I think the fact that you had a child at the age of 44 kept you really young because then you were living the lifestyle of somebody who was 20 years younger in a way. Yeah. A lot of our friends back then were, you know, the age of Lisa, like Dave right. and Susie and different people when you were growing up. And those are we, still your friends. Right. They're still friends today. But yeah, but you know, I mean, age doesn't mean anything it's just a number and Age it's how is you just a number it's how you accept it and act and you know you don't have to be old no we were just we talk about that so much because you guys are on well you're you're 72 mommy's eight years younger than you and you guys just function and act and look and everything so much younger than other people that I know who are your age who could actually function older. So age is just a number. Absolutely. So a lot of people wanted to know what was I like growing up? What was it like raising me? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was easier for me raising you because number one, your mother never had any children, and so you were her 100% focus. We were fortunate enough to be in a position to have Nanny, who was there helping every day in your life. And uh, so it was, it was simpler, and you, you were easy. You weren't difficult until you became a teenager and you know you were you know headstrong and I'm glad that you were headstrong because you know I come from an era where you know most children fear the parents so if you tell them something they obey where you you were the type that if you didn't feel it was right then you were going to get in my face and argue and of course I wasn't used to that with my first three or you wouldn't have accepted it, you know? And so it was a different experience for me, you know, and it taught me between your mother and yourself that I had to look at things differently than I did with my first three children. Yeah. It's always interesting because people tell me like Missy, Lisa and Christian have always told me that I had it so easy because you were so hard on them and you were, well, you have a temper. That's just something we can be honest about. And I always was like, oh my God, he has such a bad temper. He yells at me and he gets so angry and those kinds of things. But everybody says you were less that way by the time you had me. Well, no, there's no question that, you know, I mean... Lisa, being the oldest, probably had it worse. Missy, being second, was, you know, better off. Christian definitely was better off because as you 
become more comfortable in your stature, you are earning more money, you don't have all the pressures on yourself to make things work or your child wants to do this or they want to buy that. And so, you know, money does make it easier as you progress. And then as you get older, you become, you mellow out just like I mellowed out more with you than I did the other three. And, you know, Christian had a pretty good deal, you know, compared to the other two because of just timing, you know, of where you land, you know, during all those years. Yeah, that makes sense. And then there's the whole thing that you and I are so similar, which is why we tend to butt heads, especially when I was a teenager, because I it's not as much that way anymore most of the time. But we're so similar and we we would butt heads so much when I was in high school because I think we're just so much the same. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, people that are more alike do bump heads, you know, and I'm the type of person that, you know, I always wanted to control every situation, even though you can't control every situation I tried. And so I would try to control you as far as where I thought you should be going. And of course, you wanted to go in a different direction. And so it just, you bump, bump heads. But, you know, you eventually learn, you know, that, okay, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's right. Maybe, you know, so you, as you mature, you step back and, you know, let you go out there and do what you want. And if you're going to fail, then it's my job to be there to pick you back up. Yeah. So where did you want me to go? Well, I thought, you know, you were such a good writer that I felt like, okay, well, you, you know, you always wanted to write books and, you know, you went to graduate school. And so when you came home that time and said, you know, I don't, after the first year of graduate school, I want to try this blog of mine. And I thought, you are absolutely crazy. You know, <laughs> I mean, how can anybody make any money blogging was my thought. And of course, not knowing anything about technology and the way the world was moving and, you know, uh, so different than my world of where I came from and how I work is. So it was, it was difficult, but then, you know, I stepped back and thought, okay, yeah, you can always go back to graduate school. So let's give it a shot for a year and see what happens. And, you know, went from there. So what do you think now? Oh, I'm very proud of what you've accomplished and what you were able to do. So, you know, yeah, I look back and think, or I can at least tell other people, you got to let them fly, you know? Yeah, totally. And well, I was so lucky because you were always so supportive of what I loved to do. And writing was always a huge part of that. And then I just realized at a certain point when I was in grad school, I don't need to be here getting this master's degree in order to write anything important and that people are going to read. I can write on the internet and people will read it. I can write books without having a master's degree. And I realized when I was in grad school, 
there's such an attitude, such a stuck up attitude from parts of the literary world that I didn't resonate with at all. So I felt like all these people, my teachers in grad school who were saying like writing for the internet is a joke basically. And I could already see that I had a more people reading what I was writing, even if it was a joke, quote unquote, than some of my professors could dream of. Um, so I feel really glad that I walked away from that, although grad school was a good experience and I'm, I'm lucky to have been able to go. Yeah, no, it was good for you, you know, good for you to live in New York, be on your own. It's, it's you know, a growing up process that you went through. And yeah, like myself and your teachers, we didn't see the direction that, you know, advertising was going, uh, you know, they'd rather pay the blogger than advertise on TV or advertise in the newspaper. The costs were you know, so much savings for them to hire people like yourselves and, you know, to go out there and they reach a bigger audience, you know? So it was, uh, yeah, they just couldn't see it coming. Yeah. But it worked out. And now you have a daughter who's a blogger for someone who still doesn't have a computer or anything. It's a pretty hilarious turn of events. Yes, it is. Very proud of your accomplishments. Thank you. I feel very lucky. You are. We're all lucky. I know. So I'm going to ask you some of the questions that people sent in that um, we asked on Instagram. What do you guys want to hear from Byron? He's finally coming on. And people sent some amazing questions. Um, Let's see here. There's so many good ones. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. This is a topic that we haven't discussed yet. So a lot of people wanted to know, what are your tips for supporting a daughter with Lyme or with a chronic illness? Well, my tip is that you, you know, you have to support your loved one and, but you have to continue to push a little bit so that, like I've told you, it's easy to sit back and say that I'm sick because you're being told you're sick by doctors and, you know, nurses and you need to do this and you need to do that. But I'm a believer that you have to mentally fight it every day. Wake up, push yourself to get on that blog, push yourself to continue to do, do things. I mean, not to the point where it's going to make you worse, but at the same time to keep your mental stability, because it's, it's so easy to feel sorry for ourselves or to get depressed and not get up or easier to pull the covers over our head and stay in bed. I mean, so I, I'm a believer that you have to fight every single day. And so that's why I push you and I tell you that's why we're warriors. Yeah, you do push me. So how did you feel when I was first diagnosed with? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling of insecurity because 
you know, as a father, you feel like you can, I can help solve your problems. I can help fix what's wrong. But, you know, I, I have no control over those kinds of things. So it's a scary position to be for a parent. And you worry and, you know, so that's what you do. But were you happy to finally have an answer for all these issues that I was experiencing? Well, I mean, it's nice to have an answer, but then it's scary to see what the answer was and what the process is and, you know, what the outcome might be and, you know, all the different things, you know, it's not like they told you do this and you're going to get better and do this and you're going to get better. Take this pill, you'll be okay. It'll go away, you know, so... It's a process that you may have to live with the rest of your life. It's a process that, you know, is hopefully gets better and you learn to manage it and maybe it slips back and you have to do some other things. But, you know, it's a, it's a process and that's why you have to continue to be the warrior. Yes, absolutely. Um, but what about like I was so sick my whole life, you know, off and on. How did how was that? As a- as a father? Well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary, but then, you know, there's a, when you were always complaining about your stomach or you didn't feel good or you didn't, as a parent and your children, they're always, they'll complain to you, but they don't complain to their friends or they, so after a while, we have a tendency to discount what you're saying, you know, Oh, you'll be better. You're, I mean, okay. Yeah. You ate wrong last night. You shouldn't have eaten this or you overate or you didn't eat enough or, you know, so a parent has a tendency when you hear it on a constant basis to discount it, which is, you know, not the right thing, but it, it, it's just kind of human nature. It happens, you know, so then now you know that I was not just being sensitive or making it up or anything. No, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, it was nice. We, we knew something. Right. I mean, you've had stomach issues from the day you were born. You, you were a colicky baby. You projectiled when you would eat after you ate. You know, I mean, it was so it was just something some issues you were just born with, but you know, you know, Lyme disease you're not born with, you know, so it's, it's different now. It is. I think I got the sensitive stomach from you. Yeah, but I'm not, nothing like you are. (laughs) I mean, you have a very sensitive stomach though. I do, but you learn what you can eat and what you can't eat. And that's true. You're so good at staying away from the things you can't eat. Well, you have to be. You don't touch. Tell us the foods that you don't touch. Onions. I mean, I mean, as you get older, certain foods bother you more and, you know, onions and cauliflower, cabbage and, you know, anything that's gassy, you know, I mean, uh, beans, that kind of stuff. But, you know, when I was younger until, you know, until I was probably 45, none of those things bothered me. Oh, interesting. I I mean, I could eat. So until the year I I wanted, you know, and, you know, it would be fine. Interesting. 
Okay, guys, just one more brief interruption from this episode with my dad to talk about my favorite probiotic company, Silver Fern. So I know a lot of you know my undying love for Silver Fern. I had the founder and chief nutritionist of the brand, Charity Lighten, one of like the most radiant souls ever on the podcast just a couple months ago. So you should definitely search that episode and listen to it if you want to learn more about Silver Fern, the brand, and also just about her life. She's really inspiring. So let me just tell you about probiotics and why they're amazing. And I also want you to know that you can use the code BLONDE at checkout with Silver Fern for a discount. So they're silverfernbrand.com and just use that code BLONDE. So the reason why I love Silver Fern is because they are not only 100% survivable, which you can learn about in the episode with Charity, they're pharmaceutical grade probiotics, they're DNA verified, and they actually work. So not all probiotics work the same. I've learned so much from working with this brand. Uh, I started taking this probiotic along with the rest of my supplement regime and realized that theirs is just so much better. It actually works. I don't get bloated the same way that I used to. I also don't get constipated the same way that I used to. And that's because I take Silver Fern Ultimate Probiotic with every meal. So not not only does it help with bloating, constipation, diarrhea, it also helps with all sorts of yeast overgrowth issues and IBS, Crohn's, colitis, mood, anxiety, and depression. Probiotics help with metabolism and weight loss, and they also help with immune health, and they help stave off sugar and hunger cravings because basically the bad bacteria in our gut loves sugar and will continue to our brain to eat more sugar, continue to send those signals unless we start to balance it out with some good probiotics and good bacteria as well. So I love their probiotics, but beyond probiotics, they also have so many other amazing products. They have a digestive enzyme, which I also take with every meal. They have a prebiotic fiber. They have a whole food multivitamin. They have a prebiotic sweetener and these probiotic drink mixes that taste really delicious. And then they have these plant-based proteins that I'm obsessed with. I use their plant-based organic chocolate protein powder pretty much every morning in my smoothie. I put in there the chocolate protein powder, banana, blueberries, almond milk, a little bit of almond butter, spinach, and chlorella. And I down that thing. And then I take all my supplements and my probiotic. So head to silverfernbrand.com and use the code blonde to get that amazing deal. And also listen to that episode with Charity to learn everything you need to know about probiotics and more. So now let's head back into this episode with my dad. So going back to another question, what has been Byron's most challenging time in his life and how did he move through it? Well, my first divorce was challenging and fortunately I had my two good friends, Burl and Jack, that, you know, helped me a lot, guided me. Jack would call me every day, you know, tell me you know, you're, you're at the bottom, you're whale ship. 
but <laughs> every day is going to be better, you know? Wow, and, Jack, yeah. that was so nice. And he was right, you know? So that was a very challenging time. And, you know, you, you get through that and, you know, it's a financial setback, but you have the capability to go back and, you know, earn it back and move forward. Then, you know, the, the glove deal was probably, you know, it was very challenging, you know, to lose your money and have to start over at, uh, you know, what was I? 68 years old, you know, I yeah, mean, that, that was a challenge. That's a challenge, but then well, you, can you, we say what it is for people listening? What's that? Can you explain what happened? Well, it was just a Ponzi scheme that we were involved in and, you know, lost a considerable amount of money that, you know, wiped out 50 years of everything I accomplished. But, you know, you wake up and you tell yourself that you have to go back to the basics. You know, you go back to what I did when I was 20 years old. And you do that. You don't have a choice. And knowing that you did that the first time, you do it again. And that's what we've done. And so it's, a, it's just a bump in the road. We're yeah. going to have a lot of bumps through life. You will too. And, but you, you know, like I said, you fight through them. So mentally, how did you get through something so challenging? Mentally, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It, it affects you. There were days you wake up, you're shaking, you're, you know, just all kinds of things. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Well, I think you're mentally so strong. Well, you have to be mentally strong, just like you have to be mentally strong to get through this Lyme disease, you know. Absolutely. Well, watching you get through the Ponzi scheme has been very, very inspiring to me. It's not fair what happened. I mean, there are really, oh, Hudson dropping things. There are really awful people in the world with really, really destructive intentions and well, that was a wake-up call for me because I've always been really trusting and to watch someone really truly be so evil to you and to many other hundreds of people was crazy. But I do think everything happens for a reason and whatever that reason is, it will present itself and learn from it. Yeah, no, you, I mean, you do, you definitely learn from it. I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, it makes you, you try not to be cynical, but it makes you cynical. You don't trust like you used to. I mean, and in today's world is different, you know, so you just can't take people at their face value. So it just teaches you a hard lesson, you know, but I mean, you learn and you move forward, you know, that's, yeah. that's all that you can do. Well, maybe the blessing is that you are in your 70s now. And although you didn't imagine you'd be working with the same type of passion and 
um, like fortitude that you were when you were in your 20s, maybe that's what's keeping you so young. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it helps. I mean, you can't, yeah, you, you just have to go back, you, you know, life. I, I've been very fortunate and I've had a blessed life and I've done so many things that, you know, 95% of the other people have not gotten to do. So I would have never imagined I would have got to do what I've done when I was 18 years old, 19 years old, getting married, would have never thought that you would reach this level. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, so you're, you're thankful and you can't, you know, no one can take that part away from you. Yeah, no, they absolutely can't. And we've done some incredible things. We have. What are some of your favorite things that you've gotten to do? Well, I mean, it was fun when we would go together in Alaska, go fishing and, you know, the the trips we got to take on the private plane and, the, you know, Carl Icahn's yachts and you got to tag your, your friends. And it was just, uh, it was such a good time and we were fortunate to uh, to have Jack and Victoria taking us on those trips you know I mean it was just um, you know a good life it was a good life yeah I mean everything that happened since then was just a wake-up call and I think about it all the time because well I grew up that way thanks to all your hard work and you being such an extremely generous person, I couldn't relate to any type of fears about money or anything just because you worked so hard for so many years and gave us the most beautiful life anybody could ever imagine. And I do feel, I really feel like that's part of why I've been able to start my blog and my podcast and be so successful with everything I've chosen to do because I don't have any of those blocks and fears and things um, ingrained in me because of, because of the life that you have been able to give me. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad I was able to do that. Yeah. And you, you know, you've always been very secure you know, which is, which is nice, you know, and so, which allows you to have that self-confidence and do what your passion directs you to do, you know, and so that, that's a great thing. Most people don't have that opportunity. They have to go to work every day. They have to, you know, they have children, they have wives, they have house payments, car payments, and you know, they don't have some choices in a lot of cases. So, but, you know, everybody makes their choices. You know, you can have two jobs, you can achieve what you want to achieve. So it's just, you know, it's up to the individual, just like yourself. Right. You want it, you went after it, you got it, you know. Yeah, that's so true. And then I would say from like the challenging things we've been through, I think it makes you realize too, what's really important in life is the people that you surround yourself with 
family and friends and we're very lucky to have such amazing people in our life no no definitely those are your your rocks you know your yeah. support system that gets you through the challenges that come along you know yeah. you have to have those people so would you say i mean i feel like the harder thing the hardest thing is more like anything that's happened in our family that has like taken our family apart a little bit wouldn't you say that would be the hardest well yeah those are um those are unexpected challenges you don't ever think that you're going to have to deal with and you know i mean you know life's not fair it's it's you know it's not supposed to be you got to you got to be strong enough to weather the storm so yeah family can be you know disappointing sometimes you know i mean but it's you know there again you have no control over these situations um you feel like you know you should have been respected more or uh, you know thought of more or you shouldn't have these kinds of problems but they uh what i've come to find out there they're in every family you know things happen you know sisters don't talk brothers don't talk parents and kids don't talk it's just it's an unfortunate part you know um you know you have your children and then they get married and then you have you know outside influence that maybe thinks differently than you do and things start to change and people become unhappy and so it's a, it's a it's a process that we all have to go through that's true we're not the only ones with nope. that but yeah there are difficult things that everyone goes through but for the most part we're very very lucky um which brings me to my next question a little more upbeat um what do you think of Jonathan? Oh, I think Jonathan is a very good guy. He seems to love you very much. He takes care of you, watches out for you. I think you're um, very fortunate, you know. He's a hard worker. He works hard. Uh, I think he will be good for you. Me too. I'm excited. I'm excited to marry him in a year. Um Okay, this is a question from Danielle. Danielle Kesich, our bestie, sent in so many funny, amazing questions. Byron, what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, my biggest pet peeve is probably when I'm in a car. I'm, I become kind of aggressive uh, to some degree, and it drives me crazy when people don't know how to drive. Are they in the fast lane going too slow and they're oblivious to everybody else? It just drives me crazy. Yeah. And then you get road rage and then you pass your road rage on to me. That's you. Um, okay. This is good. So a lot of people ask these questions about spirituality. Do you think spirituality is all hocus pocus or do you believe that there is some truth to it? No, I mean, I think there's truth to all spirituality. I mean, you know, people, they, everybody needs something to believe in. And 
when it comes to certain things like crystals and, you know, it's going to make me feel better and, you know, those kinds of things, I, I question a lot of that stuff. But, uh, you know, that's for spirituality. That's why people go to church. That's why they believe in God. That's why they do certain things. And I think it just, it helps the soul and guide people. Yeah. So what about my spirituality, the spiritual awakening that I've had? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't have any of the same feelings or, you know, I haven't talked to the dead or, you know, things of that nature. So for me, it's, it's, it's hard to believe, but certain things that you tell me about certain aspects, then it makes me wonder there has to be maybe some truth there. You know, certain people uh, are able to connect with the spirit. You know, I'm not one of them. (laughs) I think you could be though. Um, You could be if you were open to it. Like what about the things like when that amazing medium, Marianne, who's been on this podcast, channeled Papa, your dad, and Papa said all those things about himself. He told Marianne, I grew up in in the Midwest and I'm so proud of it. And I got to travel the world and I had an amazing life and I loved alcohol and like, I'm a cowboy. He told her all these things. Well, I mean, that was, you know, my dad was, he was, um, he was a guy that his glass was always half full. My mother was a person that the glass was always half empty. And so, you know, my dad lived a a good, stress-free life. I mean, he was just happy-go-lucky, never had any wants, never, you know, did what he wanted to do, kind of self-absorbed in a way, you know. He loved to fish, he loved to hunt, he loved to camp, he loved the outdoors, he was a country boy. And so he lived that life, you know, and my mother was just the opposite. So I don't know how they ever lasted, but they did. And, um, um, but he just did what he wanted to do. Remember when Papa told us like near the end of his life that him and Terry, his wife never fought a day in their life. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) He believed that. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that... That's okay. He did believe that. But, you know, I grew up in that household. They fought all the time. (laughs) But he was a very, very glass half full person. And now, as I've told you, he's my main spirit guide and he's with me all the time. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, you're, you probably have a lot of his spirit. You know, I mean, you're, you're similar in certain ways. So, I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing. No, it's a good thing. And then also, what about the other day when I channeled Mike Regan? Yeah, I mean, it was like, I, you know, when you were telling me that, I thought, yeah, I mean, you're, that's hard to believe. But then when you told me, you know, what he said to you and some of the things that, you know, 
Craig and I did and went up there and what we did for him or tried to do for him. I mean, he was, he, he was just kind of, as he got old, just a lonely old man. But that was because he never wanted to do anything, just sit in that house up there in Weaverville. So we would go up two, three times a year and, you know, Kevin and Craig and I and his cousin Jack who lived in Reading and, We'd celebrate his birthdays and we'd, you know, go up and drag him to the bar every once in a while, but he never drank and he would only stay for a little bit. And, but he was like the, you know, the, the town mayor. And so, you know, everybody knew him cause he grew up there. Him and Craig both grew up there. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it made me wonder, you know, there again, um, there's gotta be some truth to the spirit world, I guess. And the things he told me. So everyone listening, Mike Regan is my dad. My dad's one of his best friends, Craig's brother, who passed away about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And he came through to me and he had all these messages for me to share with Craig and Craig's wife, Sherry. And he also had a lot to say about my dad. And I didn't know if the things he was telling me would make a lot of sense to Sherry and Craig, but I told them anyway, and it turns out they made a ton of sense and it was exactly what Craig and Sherry needed to hear and have been wondering about. So yeah, these things can be unexplainable, but they happen. Yeah, I guess they do. (laughs) So what do you feel about having a daughter who's a little bit psychic? Well, I mean, I guess that's a good thing, you know? I mean... It is. Yeah. I think that's why I've always been such a writer. It's because things come through me. Things come through into my head, and I write them, and they come to me. They just flow, and it makes me want to express myself through writing and blogging. So I think it's always been a part of who I am. Well, I think I think you know if there is some truth to the the spirit world, they see you as a source to get their message out, and you know you're a good person. You help people uh, in your blogs, um, and so that's why maybe they talk to you. I think so. I think they know, okay, this girl will will get our message through. She'll tell <laughs> thousands of people. So for better or for worse, that's what I do. Um, so this person wants to know, this is a wondering star on Instagram. What is it that makes you beam with pride when you think of Jordan? The most important thing that she does is she helps other people with um, the ailments and diseases that she has had and relates to and writes and talks to them. And I think that these people, you know, look up to you for guidance and, you know, you're helping them. Uh, and I think that's, you know, very important and it comes across well because you're a very warm and sincere individual and you're not just selling bullshit when you're on your blog. So 
I think that's, you know, something to be very proud of. Thank you. You're welcome. That means a lot to me. It makes me really happy. Um, so this person wants to know, Breezy1120, what's your favorite childhood memory of Jordan as a little girl? Probably when we used to take you to Disneyland for your birthday every year when you were little. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I knew we did that. I didn't know that was your favorite movie. Yeah, I mean, how you beamed when the characters would come out all dressed up and how you believed, you know, they were the real person and, you know, just to see the look on your face and how happy you were. was It was fun to watch. That's so cute. I loved Cinderella. I thought I was Cinderella. <laughs> I wanted to be her. You are Cinderella. I am. <laughs> I am. I know I am. Um, okay, so this is a fun one. This is what a lot of people wanted to know. So it's about being a reflector. And I know you have a lot to learn about being a reflector. But what was it like to learn that you, your human design, is a reflector. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't really know anything about that aspect of, I mean, I knew that you did research and found out that I was a reflector, that you're a reflector, but I don't know, you know, truly, what what does that, what does that mean? Okay, you so know, let me explain, I mean, let me explain it to you here. So basically human design is this way of looking at people and how people approach life and everybody falls into a certain category. There's five different types of people in human design. And these five different types, some of them are a lot more common than others. So there's generators, which make up like 60 or 70% of the population. A lot of people are generators. Danielle's a generator. Jonathan's a generator. And there's manifesting generators. That's another high percentage. Like Katie's a manifesting generator. Jillian's dad. Um, certain people. And then there's two types in human design that are called non-energy beings, which when you look at a chart, someone's human design chart, there would be lots of open, open circles on them. And that's like open points in your body where you take in other people's energy and sensitivities and all these different things. So projectors are one of those and reflectors are one. Mommy is a projector you and I are reflectors. And the crazy thing about reflectors are that they're only 1% of the population. So when Jenna, she's my human design chart reader, and she's coming over and later today, she's going to be on the podcast too, um, did my chart. I was the first reflector she had ever met in person because it's so rare, so rare. Hmm. And there are a lot of reflectors, 1% of the population, that'd be like one in a hundred. Um, but it's rare and it's unheard of to be two reflectors in the same family, really, because it's just so rare. I don't personally really know any other reflectors. So we waited a long time 
for your birth certificate because you couldn't find it for a while. And I kept thinking like, you're going to be a generator or something that's like the opposite of me. And then right as I was inputting your info, I got this rush of, of knowledge from the universe that was like, oh my God, he's a reflector. And that would explain everything. Everything about how similar we are, yet we're also incredibly different from each other, as you know. And that would be because you're a reflector. You've never really lived as a reflector. So I was born into the world. And I believe because of a lot of the things we've talked about today that I was given like the best opportunity to live as a reflector because I had such love around me. I had you guys. I had Nanny. I went to Country Day, which was such an artistic school with really, really small classes. And I got a ton of attention and a ton of guidance from teachers about like the things that I was good at writing and artistic things, creative things. And then I had the opportunity to be a blogger and just like really follow my heart and almost just like reflect what I love into the world. That's what I made my job. Like all I do is talk about what I love, health and wellness, yoga, spirituality, people. Um, I get to do all that stuff for a living. So that's like a very reflector kind of life. And I get to work from home, not change out of my pajamas. <laughs> I, I get a lot of perks. And you were born a reflector also. You are a reflector. But you didn't have the same... It's not that you didn't have the opportunity to live as a reflector because you could have, but you didn't really have the best shot at living as just this reflector life that kind of like goes with the flow and just, I don't know, reflects what they love into the world and reflects people, people's, what they love back to them. Because like we discussed, you became a parent really young. You were married. You never lived on your own. You, you just basically became this role as a father and now a grandfather and a husband and everything. And I don't, I don't think you've gotten the same chance to just live as a reflector. You are more like a reflector living like a generator. Generators, they power through life. They work, 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 and just kind of do things like um, for others, you know, like it's easy for them to like do a lot for others and take care of others. For reflectors, that's not really that easy. It's actually really hard. It makes us tired and sick and out of alignment, basically. So does that make sense? I've been out of alignment for a long time then. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I think. So in human design, they call it, if you're not living according to your design, you're living your not self. That's what they call it in human design. So I would say you're mostly a not self-reflector, which is why. I didn't think you were a reflector. I thought you would be a generator or something. So to grow up, me as a reflector in a household with a not self-reflector, those are the kinds of things that cause issues in people, which I mean, nothing to feel bad about. Every single person has issues. But 
it's a lot of like now working to undo that for me, like learning all, some of these things I've been taught, like the only, only way to success is hard work. And like, you have to work, 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 and sometimes be uncomfortable for that reason. Cause you're working so hard and that's the way to find success. Sometimes there's another way to do it. And that's what reflectors would be showing the world. Yeah, hard to believe I'm a reflector then. <laughs> I know, but reflectors can can be anything and they can be any way. So you'd be a very ridiculously hardworking reflector. It's just like, I see a reflector in you when I look at you because you're sensitive to other people's emotions. You're very in touch with like the energy of how people feel, even if you don't really show it the same way that I do you do you can feel the energy of a room like you're a sensitive person yes I am very (laughs) that's one reflector thing so living as a reflector I mean I think it's really cool yeah that's good yeah I'm glad you're a reflector I know me too I'm glad you're a reflector (laughs) and all I want All I want is to, in this stage in your life, share, reflector, wisdom with you so that you can live more in alignment with your design. And I think, I think it will only do amazing things for you and and make this stage of your life a really happy one. Yeah. No, I think it can. So you're open? I'm open. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best news ever. I've always, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've always chased money, been pressed to succeed, move forward, and not necessarily let it flow to me like you're speaking, you know. I would want to go get it. You know, I wasn't patient. I wasn't, you know, patience is important, you know. And, you know, my situation, I wasn't able to just kind of be in touch and do what I wanted to do because I didn't have that luxury, you know, starting out so early, you know. So, yeah, it's going to be nice now at this point to be, to sit back maybe a little bit. It's hard for me, you know, to know. sit back and just let it come. It's not my nature. Right? right, right. But you can, and you can do it in other areas of your life too, not just with money, because you are a hardworking person. That's part of who you are. You enjoy it. You're flipping. 12 houses at a time like that's a lot that's like um you have the energy for it and you have a drive but there's other areas of your life where you can really live in alignment with being a reflector and that's just like meditation breathing you get massages every week that's a time to meditate and self-care it's like knowing yourself and then when reflectors are living in an alignment with their truth they're able to really reflect 
that feeling back to others and help them live in alignment because that's kind of what reflectors do. That's what we're here to do. We're here to be good energy basically to make other people happy and help them too, like live in alignment and have good energy. I think you're already like that. I mean, you guys have so many friends. Clearly people want to be around you because you help them and you help them, you reflect good energy to them. That's good. So it's our job as reflectors to be that positivity and just bring it, bring it into other people's Make the world a better place. Exactly. Yes. And the world needs a lot of help in that area. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so that's our job as reflectors. And I think it's very cool that we're so similar, which is not surprising. This was someone else's question. What is your version of self-care, your form of anxiety release? Um, that is, you know, why I do exercise every day um, at the gym, which helps, you know, stay balanced and relieve stress. And then, of course, I get a massage every week, which I have done for probably 30 years. And that's just very important to do and uh, releases tension also. Yeah. I love massages. <laughs> I get that from you. Um, so a question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast is if you were a color, what color do you feel best represents your energy? Uh, probably red. Really? Yeah. How come? Tell me. Well, red is like, you know, bright and fiery and, you know, move. Don't be slow. Get going. That's, That's why you. I walk fast. I do you things walk quick. So fast. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, don't be a slug. Get going. <laughs> yep, that's you. You're red. That's that's so perfect. Red hot. Yeah. You're so right. Okay, so then final question then, because really this podcast we always try to touch a little bit on like health and wellness. What does health and wellness mean to you? Well, I mean, health and wellness, I mean, is very important in life. Um, you know, I mean, try to be, you know, to me, um, you know, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not, you know, uh, I think is just balance. Don't overdo, don't overdrink, don't overeat, don't, you know, stay in balance. I mean, be healthy, exercise, uh, read, just mental, you know, mental exercise, uh, physical exercise, massages, you know, I mean, just health awareness, you know. You're you know, a living testament to that. You're very healthy. I wish you would be me, you know, maybe one day I can convince you. I don't think so. I'm too old to change now. I mean, but I mean, I'm, you know, we... I don't eat a lot of meat products, but I will eat meat, you know? I mean, um, I like fish and I like chicken and, you know, I mean, there's, you know, I'm a 
carbohydrates guy, you know, you really. <laughs> well, you're good. You are. You're, you love bread and pasta and bread. Bread, I say twice because Rice you really love and bread. Everything. Yeah. yeah. You know. um, but you are good at living in moderation. And you literally don't touch dessert. You really don't eat sugar. I try not to. Yeah. You don't even I mean, touch it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do. I, I never mean, have but then seen you. It's always like, you know, when you've had a nice meal and you eat dessert, it's like for some reason puts you over the top. It does. Yeah. And so then you're like, oh, why did I eat that? I feel miserable. Or, totally. You know, yeah. I'd rather have a, another slice of French bread than have yeah, dessert. Yeah, you would. <laughs> you do eat that kind of stuff after dinner, though. Yeah, like, no, I'll it, make toast yeah, for dessert. You, you know, do. I mean, yeah, it's just how I do it. You and Jonathan both. Um, who are some of your... So you said mentors like Jack and Burl, but who are some of your other mentors? Oh, I would have to say, you know, Bob Blakemore that I bought Western Building Specialties from was a mentor as a child growing up, two neighbors across the street that we spent a lot of time with. They were the type, I grew up in a neighborhood where they would call up and say, well, what are you making for dinner? Well, I've, I've got this, you've got that, bring it over. Uh, I've made a pie. I mean, you know, it, and we, there would be three households sharing dinner and then the guys and myself would play pinochle afterwards. And so Leo Richter and Sherman Staten uh, were two older men. They were older than my parents, but they, um, Leo taught me about work and saving money and things. And Sherman taught me about investing in the stock market and doing different things. And so they were just, I remember them as growing up as like, early mentors to set a mindset in your mind when you were young. And, and I've always remembered it throughout my life. I love that. That's so cool. Did you keep in touch with them later? Yeah, no, I did until they, you know, they passed away, you know. Before uh, I was born? Um, probably before you were born. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah, it was. It's good memories as a kid, you know, growing up in the <clears throat> 50s and life was simpler, but you never had any wants and you didn't know right. any better. So it was, uh, it was great. Yeah, that's so cool. So what would be your final words for our, our Soul on Fire listeners? Well, just that, you know, everybody needs to listen to you and to yes. help move them forward. And, you know, it's a day-to-day -day step at a time. But a fight, and you got to be willing to fight. Yes, we are. We are warriors, and we will fight and be reflectors. We are. Thank you, Daddy, for coming on. Yeah, it was well, thank so fun. you for having me. Yeah. I'm so glad. My first podcast. Your first <laughs> podcast. Hopefully the first of many. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe. <laughs> we love you. Thank you, Daddy. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with my dad. I hope that listening not only helped you get to know me a little bit better, but helped you really get to know him. Um, He's an amazing person. He's usually behind the camera, behind the scenes. He's the patriarch of our whole family. He's such an amazing person, friend, father, brother, son. Um, He truly takes care of everyone. He's the most generous person I've ever met. And having this conversation with him was really special. I feel so lucky that I got to just sit down and have this one-on-one chat with him. I really learned a lot about him. I didn't know about his mentors, his neighbors, like the things that you guys learned. I was learning right alongside of you. And there were some really emotional parts of this conversation that I'm just really grateful to have on recording because I'll be listening to this later in my life. And like to capture this moment in time with my dad is really special. He's super supportive of everything I'm going through with Lyme. Even though he said he was really scared of me leaving grad school to be a blogger, um, he was also my biggest fan at that time and told me like, put your all into blogging. And I had said to him, shouldn't I get a side job or something at like Lululemon or be a waitress or like, I don't know, have some additional form of income. And he had told me, no, if this is what you're passionate about, do this full time and put all of your energy into it and see what comes of it. So even though he doesn't know anything about technology and he still calls Instagram, Twitter and podcasts, Facebook and all these things, he just doesn't know. He does know business and he has given me the best advice I've ever gotten. So he's amazing. I love him so much. And this was really, really special. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you to our sponsors for Sigmatic, Thrive Market and Silver Fern. You can always use the code blonde in all of those places for discounts. And if you would like to Join the Facebook group to keep the conversation going and meet friends from all over the world. Head to the Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook and I will accept you and introduce yourself. Say hello. People have meetups in different cities without me even there. Like we've had some amazing friendships come out of the podcast group. And even though I'm taking some time off, for a while coming up here in a few weeks i will still be reachable in the facebook group so that's a really good place to stay in touch if you are like wow i can't believe jordan's leaving for a little while i'll still be there every so often and lastly if this podcast has impacted you in any way and you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast in itunes i would be so grateful to see your rating and review if you send it to me an email to jordan at thebalanceblonde.com i will thank you personally and chit chat with you and send you my blogging tips and tricks document that i send to everyone who rates and reviews the podcast as a thank you for taking time out of your day to do that. So thank you guys for being here. If you're still listening, you're amazing and loyal and wonderful. And I love you. I love you all. I hope everyone has a really beautiful, blissful soul on fire day. And we'll talk soon.